Romantic relationships these days are so dumbed down, they're so superficial, people want more. Deeper intimacy, authentic connection, better sex, finding sustainable partnership, cutting through the confusion, weeding out the deceitful people, finding and navigating the highest romantic relationship on your path. Welcome to the Relationship Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Loomis. Have you ever wondered how you can take space from your partner or if it's healthy to take space from your partner? How to take space without hurting and affecting negatively your relationship? Has your partner wanted to take space from you and you don't know how you feel about it? Have you ever dealt with body image issues? I'm sure none of you have ever dealt with that, right? Today we have a very special guest, again, because everyone's very special. Mary Archibek, who is a therapist, but also has been a personal trainer and she became a personal trainer after being a therapist. So she has some really unique insights into body image. And in this discussion, we go into a lot of things. This is a very educational show. We go into how relationships are for lesbian women and how they are different in straight relationships. There's a lot to learn there. We go into body image issues. We go into taking space. We go into communication. There's so much packed into this. It's like an educational module that everyone should listen to. So enjoy the show. You don't want to miss it. Mary. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So I think it's very interesting that you've had the opportunity to be a personal trainer and work with people in a traditional therapeutic setting. Yeah. One thing I'd like to get started with is body image issues. Okay. Because that's plaguing us as, as yeah. humans, right? Mm-hmm. Both men and women. So you were already a therapist before you started personal training. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I always... Well, not always, but I started using exercise as a form of therapy for myself. And I found it just really empowering and helpful to get that natural dopamine (laughs) in that way. And um, it it did. It helped the way I felt about myself. It helped for me to feel strong. And it balanced me out. So um, I was just enjoying the benefits of it so much that I decided, well, maybe I should get, like, certified in this and make sure that I actually am doing it right and all of that. And so I just did that purely for personal enrichment. I just wanted to like improve the quality of my own workouts. Um, that was my original intention when I got certified. Plus, I just felt like that's a great way to measure like what I'm doing. And you know what I mean? Just having that um, is like a little bucket list thing. So then I got certified. And then after that, um, I just was like, wow, maybe I should use this. And after I got, I got the, the certification, then I got certified in kettlebells and TRX and these other functional total body workouts that I believe in. Um, because I do believe that it helps improve the quality of our lives when we can be functional, right? Um, and so then I did those um, other certifications and then decided to actually, well, maybe I should like use what I know to help people and combine what I know about behavior with exercise and work with clients in a gym setting. And so then I did. And it was awesome. I worked with everything from like 20-year-olds to 80-year-olds and everything in between. And it was very, very rewarding. And because my approach to wellness is very much body, mind, spirit. Like I feel like we can't separate those out. They all, one spills into the other and they all affect each other. So that's where I see the benefit of exercise combined with the emotional, mental health stuff along with spirituality. I feel like it all comes together to make us a whole being. And we benefit from all of them so that's my approach that's interesting that integration aspect that so many people miss out so a lot of people that are dealing with body image issues they'll go to like one thing which is specifically dieting correct and exercise exactly and how often does that alone work 
uh, pretty much never, <laughs> right? <laughs> and not only that, but it's also the why. Like, so when I work with my clients, which a lot of, most of the time it's females, right? That like in therapy will tell me one of their goals is like to lose weight. And we talk about why do you want to lose weight? Because it comes down to a lot of times these women and girls are approaching it from like a, a place of, of lack and a place of like, well, I don't like the way I look or I don't like my body or, you know. Um, and so I help them reframe that to I want to lose weight because I want to be healthy I, and, and infuse more meaning into the goal, right? And make it more of a lifestyle than like this temporary thing. Because if you're coming at this goal from I'm doing this because I don't like who I am, mm. right? And I help them to come at it instead from I want to be healthy because I love who I am or because I like my body or I love my body or I care about my body even if they can't be at the place of I love my body yet but like because I care about myself I want to lose weight versus because I don't like my body I want to lose weight which at that point it feels like a punishment right I wouldn't want to work out either if that's what I was telling myself right but instead if I tell myself gosh I really enjoy my health I really enjoy my body I enjoy having a good quality of life that's why I'm going to the gym today that's why I'm going hiking today because I want to improve my quality of life now that's a much bigger concept and that's going to take people a lot farther than I don't like my body right because they'll burn out indeed they'll burn out and it does it feels like punishment and sacrifice and I'm doing this to punish myself because I don't like myself and that is not a great way to approach any goal so um, it's kind of just coming at it from that other place of like coming you know this is more of a lifestyle change and not something temporary because also it's temporary well then what happens when you lose the 10 pounds then what? And then the other piece of all of this goes back to that idea of are you improving your outside or your inside? Right? So even then, even if you achieve that outer goal, well, then what? You know, whether we're talking about achieving like goals around work or, or looks or any of those things, but those things are often moving targets. And we can improve our circumstances without improving who we are on the inside and still be left feeling very empty. Very true. Yeah. And so then there's that thing too. We're like, oh my God, I killed myself to lose all this weight. And I see this all the time. And then these women lose all this weight and they're still unhappy. And they still have like what we call fat girl mentality or even people that maybe have achieved success financially still have poverty mentality because they ha- their insides haven't you know, caught up with the outside. So this, again, is where the integration is so important. And it's also so important to, to what you said, go within. Indeed. If we're, you know, if we're uncomfortable Indeed. with the external, the first thing is to go inside. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it, it you know, is so important to do that, to go within and to look at ourselves within and get to know ourselves within and not just measure ourselves on the outside. Because And even in that regard, redefining beauty, what does beauty mean? Oh, yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because so. a lot of times people will even achieve a certain level of sure. of. Uh, uh, excellence with their body totally and then they'll lose it and then they're mm-hmm. back to square one so mm-hmm. if they're reliant on the way that the physical body looks for their self-esteem or their comfort that can that can go away absolutely it's, based off it's, that. it's definitely a moving target that we don't want to rely um, like we don't want our worth to rely on that because that does change over time right and it's um, 
you know, trust me, I have some of the most gorgeous clients ever, you know, from models to, and, and it, it doesn't mean they're happy. Right. And I have some of the most financially successful clients, men who that doesn't make them happy either, you know? So you come to find out that that external stuff, those external goals, it's, it's kind of a false promise that society sells us that we buy into sometimes. Yes. It's like, well, if I were to look this way, then I'd be happy. Or if I were to make this much money, then I'd be happy. Um, and that's, um, a lie basically. It is. Yeah. It is. And so really coming at it from these other aspects, really working on who we are. And then if you're beautiful, well, then that's just a bonus, right? And if you have money on top of liking who you are on the inside, then that's just a bonus. But really it's about um, raising our vibration, improving our character, our, you know, all of those things that make up who we are, really being clear about our value system and being driven from that place. So talking about the vibration, yeah, that one struck a chord with me. Tell okay. me more about the spiritual integration, okay. specifically into helping us helping people overcome their discomfort with I mean it's so crazy how many of us feel uncomfortable living in this physical body hmm. I mean the stress the mm-hmm. inflammation that that carries mm-hmm. tell me more about the spiritual how the spiritual aspect comes in to helping us in that area so the spiritual piece is something that gives our life more meaning and that can be something different for everybody, right? Whatever they want to call that. So, but something that is bigger than us. And it's so interesting because a lot of people have a hard time with this idea of like higher power um, concept or, or God. But look at all the things that we probably make our higher power. Whether we're making technology our higher power, we're putting faith in Wi-Fi, we can't see that, but yet we have faith in it, right? That it's going to work and it's going to be there for us. Or some people make, you know, people with addictions are probably making substances or alcohol their higher power. Sometimes we make people our higher power. Mm -hmm. And so look at all the ways that we're already kind of putting faith into things probably we shouldn't be putting faith into Mm. um, instead of, you know, maybe other areas that would actually be more rewarding to believe in. Um, And even if we just use nature as our you know source of spirituality getting out there and feeling connected to this you know this source and the being disconnected from all of this right and going out and connecting with something deeper um whether it's within or something around us or whether we call it god or spirit or higher power or any of those things i feel like it definitely gives life more meaning when we can do that versus just being like of this world and putting all our faith in whatever circumstances we're, we're in in the moment right from from moment to moment um So I think that it creates a sense of hope and a sense of faith and kind of just, I think life has to have some sense of meaning for it to feel good. And again, rather than looking at all the other things that we make our higher power, going shopping or, you know, um, all those other things that leave us oftentimes feeling pretty empty and dissatisfied. And so then we just go from one temporary high to the next temporary high. So would that go more into being integrated and experiencing this life and all that comes with it, the body, but not being attached for sure. To it. For sure. And it's about having real connections, right? Versus these false ones. And what are we attaching to? <laughs> um, and so like this idea of like developing real connection with things that really do feel fulfilling. Tell me more about that. What, are, what um, would a real connection look like? So a real connection would be like connecting with another person wholeheartedly. 
right? On a, on a heart and soul level. That's a real connection. How would one know if they're connecting on a heart and soul level? Because you would feel it go way beyond looks. It would go way beyond just like um, lust or, or that. It would be like, wow, I really enjoy who this person is, all aspects of them from the inside out. And at that point, it wouldn't even be the outer that you would be really connecting with, right? It would be like the inside. And a state w- of appreciation and support rather than trying to get? For sure, for sure. It would be coming at it again from this deeper level where you're like, wow, this person is amazing. And you can even admire at that point their flaws, the, all, all things about this person, right? And, and really appreciate who they are and be able to be fully present with that person, mm. right? Mm. Not just kind of like, oh, they look good, so I want to spend some time with them. Mm-hmm. But it's really about... Which never brings fulfillment. Does not. No. So it's about really connecting on that deeper level where you, where two people are truly coming together vulnerably and open and connecting on this level that goes beyond the physical where it's like, wow, I just had like this amazing intellectual connection with this person or this amazing spiritual connection with this person that could almost even be like transformative. Yes. Right. Yes. So when we're just attached or we're just attracted, there's no transformation happening at that level. Right. Yeah, it, it looks good and it feels good, but it's not going to stay with you for years to come. You're probably going to forget that, you know, um, pretty shortly. Mm-hmm. But when you have a real soul connection with someone or a real, you know, authentic connection, trust me, that's what I call like a soul shaker. <laughs> Where like there, from then on, you're like, you grew as a result of this experience. You grew as a result of this connection and maybe even transformed in one way or another. And I think that's the ultimate goal of relationships. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is the higher, for me, that's the higher purpose of romantic relationship. Absolutely. Is our own growth for both people, right? right? And that's how we know when it's healthy. That's how we know when we're Mm. in the right place. Mm. Not to say you can't grow from the bad ones too, because you can. Right. But um, it's really pretty amazing when it can happen in a positive way. If that's the intention. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that helped me the most with physical insecurities uh-huh. was meditation. Oh, wow. And, nice. And stepping behind my analytical mind yeah. that was so attached to this physical body. And For sure. Sinking into an awareness that goes beyond that. We've all experienced it. A lot of people say, I've never experienced no mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. We all have. When we're mm-hmm. like tasting some food that's just super mm-hmm. rich and delicious or mm-hmm. appreciating some beauty, the mind mm-hmm. is silent for a moment. And in that moment, there's a separation between this dialogue that's always going on in our mm-hmm. mind and our awareness. Mm-hmm. And the more we sink into that awareness, the less attachment we have to the physical mm-hmm. body. And that's rooting ourselves. That rooted me more in myself, a deeper self. So I'm not Good for like you. the insecurity just started slipping away. Good for you. I think when we access that part of ourselves, at that point, we're seeing our inner beauty, right? And our light shines from that place. And at that point, the insecurity does tend to melt away because then you realize, wait a minute, my greatest superpower is that. My greatest superpower is who I am on the inside and that nobody else is me. And when I can shine from that place, then all of a sudden the insecurities do tend to melt away instead of comparing all our outsides against each other, right? And looking for differences and looking for inadequacies, looking for how am I better or less than other people, which is all ego, right? Yes. Um, But when we can go within, like you're describing, that's spirit. 
Right. That's like that. And, and again, redefining what does beauty mean? Like yes. that's beautiful. When a woman or a man walks into a room and carries themselves yes. with confidence. Yes. Ah, right. Yes. That is just like that person is so attractive regardless of what the outside looks yes. like. And that's the kind of thing. So when we talk about raising vibration, that's one of the ways we do that, right? Is accessing that and going within all of a sudden that does raise our vibration and yes. that's attractive. It is. Yes. There were so many points that you just threw out there. Okay. I want to go back and like okay. do a whole other episode. Oh with yeah, you. We, um, we could talk about all these things all day long. Yes, yes. Yeah. There was two that just popped out okay. the last end. One is comparison. Yes. And the other one was the beauty and the vibration. So comparison yes. and using romantic relationships, connections in general, to become more self-aware of what's going on within right. us. And when we start to to utilize that space, when we feel jealousy or we feel ourselves comparing, mm-hmm. that's a, an aspect, that's like a subset of the mind, sure. the comparative mind. Right. And the goal is to observe that and to start working with that, playing with that, to yeah. start sinking away from that, disidentifying with that, or observing it and being mindful and aware of it so that we don't operate from that comparative mind. Right, right. Right? Absolutely, because anytime we're comparing, it's, again, it's probably ego, and there tends to be a sense of lack. Um, mm-hmm. Or even if you're comparing the other way and saying, well, I'm better than. Yes, still comparative That's still mind. coming from a place of lack, too. Yes. Like, I need to feel better about right. myself, so I need to see how I'm better than the other person, right. right? And so, and then that creates disconnection. So then that gets in the way of us realizing we're all connected. Mm. So now we're looking for differences instead of similarities. Yes. And then that gets in the way of connecting, right? right. Instead of me seeing that you and I are way more similar than we are different, now mm-hmm. I feel connected to you. Mm-hmm. Versus seeing, oh, you're a man and I'm a woman and we're different. No, right. we're not. We, right. have, we both want happiness. We both have fears. We both have all the same emotions, right? And there are ways to train the mind right. to to operate from a space that's less comparative. Yes, There's absolutely. ways to do that. And again, looking for the similarities is, is great. You know, looking for the connections, yes. being empathetic, being compassionate, seeing this other person as a human being, humanizing them, right? Mm-hmm. Not just seeing them as their looks or a body part or their achievements, but just really seeing them beneath that, that we're all, we're all having some sort of struggle we're going through. We're all growing. We're all doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those ways, we're all similar. Yes. And the beauty aspect. Yes. When we do reformat that within ourselves, right. it does change our vibration and the attraction Completely. that we have. So someone can be perceived as a 10 physically, sure. but if they feel insecure, right. it really diminishes that level Completely. of attraction because it just affects everything on the connection level. But if someone is maybe not up to that standard that everyone has in their mind, mm-hmm. but they're just comfortable in their body. Right. Oh, men and women, I hope that both of you all listening to this have experienced <laughs> yeah. that yeah. I have. Yeah. If we just just own ourselves and we're comfortable in that, oh, life gets rich. Absolutely, and it's it is this idea of redefining what that means, right? Um, and aiming for beauty versus hotness. So right now, there's this, uh, you Ooh, know, I like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of emphasis right now, especially you know when we talk about social media and like Instagram models and all that. A lot of these these females are aiming to be hot, yes, and instead of beautiful, and and beautiful, like the term beauty, really is all encompassing. It's their mind, their heart, their soul, how they treat people, their character, all of those things. And again, um, developing all of that, right? And then it wouldn't matter how old you are. We could think of like some of these actresses that are older, right? Meryl Streep or people like that, women like that, that their beauty is timeless and it always will be just because of like how how they carry themselves and who they are in the world, Mm -hmm. not just because, you know, and 
just because you maybe have, you know, a great body part that you're taking pictures of or something like that and reducing yourself to that. That is so sad. It like is. that is really, really sad. And I think that all women, we've probably all gone through that at some point in our lives where we used our looks to try to get attention. Mm-hmm. But at some point, hopefully, as as one becomes more self-respecting, um, they are not so interested in attention as they are respect, right? Because today, like... I'd much rather be respected than get attention because respect lasts longer. Mm-hmm. And that's different, right? Like really like, or even just admiring like, wow, you're, you're beautiful and you're smart, not just you're beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Or a compliment like, wow, you have great energy or you radiate. Like to me, that's a much better compliment, yes. right? Yes. yes. Than to just be like, oh, you're good looking. Right. Like that's, to me, that's like, that's <laughs> so shallow. It is. But to say, wow, you have great energy. You feel good to be around. Like that's a whole other thing. And we're looking we're all craving depth of experience. For sure, for sure. It's interesting because periodically I'll go on Instagram and the Uh social media and I'll look at girls' profiles, Uh whatever it may be, just random pictures. And the ones that are putting out the hot pictures, I'll look for context and content. Okay, okay. And I'm like, wow, all you're putting out is just one level physical, that's it. Yeah. I already know what you're attracting. Indeed. Because someone like myself who's looking for depth and experience, I'm not going to pay any mind to that. I'm no. not going to pay any attention to that. No, you're not. And um, so, and this has been proven, um, evolutionary biology has proven that that males want to have sex with the hot girls, but they don't want to marry them and they don't want to stay with them. Um, and so it's unfortunate because a lot of these girls are getting attention, right? Because of the hotness. And getting that dopamine rush. They're getting that, and but they're not going to attract men who would want to, who would want to stay with them or who would respect them. And, and then they're going to wonder, well, why am I going through so many guys mm. over and over and over again? And, you know, because, again, it's that whole idea of beauty versus hotness, which is interesting. But, yeah, it's, it's actually been proven through evolutionary biology that there's this whole concept difference between hotness and beauty. And it's sad because we live in a society where hotness is what is um, – I think that that's what, what – girls go for they feel like they and then guys too you know what I mean that's what they notice because men are very visual so they do notice that unless it's somebody like you who maybe is looking for something deeper and they're where they're looking for something deeper right, right? right. and actually looking for that context but we don't want to just present as one dimensional so if it's just like oh I'm just taking a picture of my body well then that's very one dimensional whereas like you say you were looking for more than that like at least provide some context like <laughs> give me something to read that right. goes with the picture yeah. or, you know but it's that idea of of being multidimensional and not yes. just kind of that integration yeah are you yeah. an integrated being or are you right. just operating on the physical level right yeah and it's a process you know it it, 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 everyone's on their journey for that um, and a lot of times it starts with suffering it we just does. realize we're not getting there our hearts calling out for more yeah. and we're not getting it we yeah. don't know why yeah. and that's usually when the journey begins right absolutely so usually change happens one of two ways either through pain or through insight right? And so sometimes, oftentimes, it's the pain. More often it's, than not. Yeah, more often than not, it's those painful things that we grow the most from, which is why it's kind of like a blessing in disguise, right? Yes. It's like, oh, wow, that difficult thing I went through, that grew me up, and yes. that changed me. And so sometimes we look back, and those difficult times are the best things that ever happened to us. And so whether it's a breakup, whether it's some sort of like life thing that feels hard, Sometimes you have to just really look for the lesson in that and just know that there's something there that you're meant to learn and that you'll be better because of it afterwards, right? Um, but if you stay stuck in, in, in the pain, then you just create more suffering. But if you can look for the lesson, then you create growth. 
And sometimes you have to just suffer for a while and Absolutely. accept and, and don't push the suffering and the right. pain away. Accept it, embody it, feel it, cry, experience it totally. so that you can get to those lessons. Totally. And really uh, embracing all of those emotions that embracing, you just talked about. Yes. yes. Like really welcoming them as they are part of us. Right. They're, they're here to teach us something and not go for the first escape we can find from our feelings. Or distraction. Absolutely. Distractions. You know, because we live in a world, we live in a distracted world right, right. now. Mm-hmm. So how easy is it to do that? And so a lot of times people struggle with being able to tolerate their own feelings. They can't yes. sit with a feeling, yes. right? And so it's like the minute there's a feeling, oh, let me grab, you know, some alcohol. Let me grab my phone. Let me grab, let me go look at porn. Let me go do something to distract myself yes. from this feeling. And then again, that's not getting to know yourself. That's not being able to be self-compassionate um, because you're basically telling yourself when you do that, my feelings don't matter. And so then, and if you can't sit with your own feelings and tolerate your own feelings, how are you ever going to do that for somebody else? Thank you. Right. Relationship begins with oneself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so getting comfortable with feelings is so important. Being able to hold that space for yourself and for others. One of the biggest issues I see in romantic relationships of sustainable romantic relationships is people are not willing to sit in those those uncomfortable feelings. Would you agree? Oh, I completely agree. Completely. And this is the irony is that that's actually an opportunity to connect. Huge. So it's such a missed opportunity when when, when you don't do that. So when the feeling is there, you want to go all the way in it. Yes. You want to be like, welcome. Thank you for telling me your feelings are hurt. Yes. Let's talk about yes. it, you know, and really go all the way there. And so that's one of the so important things I think is that's how you connect emotionally with another person is when you let them know your feelings matter mm-hmm. and I'm not afraid of your feelings. I'm not going to run from them and let's just talk about them. Like, and again, that's such a great opportunity to connect that people miss. Instead, they're like, Oh, this is going to turn into a fight. Let's avoid it. Let's not go there. Let's not talk about mm-hmm. feelings. I don't want to talk right. about feelings, yeah. but we have to talk about feelings. If we you're going to have, ha- if you're going to really have a really meaningful relationship, then you got to welcome all the feelings and they all matter. From anger to sadness yes. to fear to they all matter yes. just as much as happiness and joy matter, yes. right? And so again, we can't just stay on like one one side of the feelings. We got to have the entire human experience, and then be able to love people when they're sad and when they're angry mm-hmm. and when they're happy. And mm-hmm. you know, otherwise, it's really conditional, isn't it? And the more that we're able to sit with our own discomfort, the more we're able to sit with another person's discomfort exactly. when we're going through that. Exactly. That goes to vulnerability. Yeah. So there's a huge thing, Brene Brown, the whole vulnerability movement. I find it interesting because for me, I've always been the type that I can't withhold anything. Like Ah. anything that's going on within me, I cannot afford (laughs) to withhold it. So you process externally. Well, I'll I'll process internally as well, but I'm so in tune to the relationship and the connection. Yeah. And I usually draw, have drawn partners that are the same. Yeah. So if something's off in the space, yeah. I've never wanted to distract and like try to not talk about it. I'm like, wow. this is the depth of the insecurities or whatever. Right. This is what's there. Right. I can't afford to withhold that. Okay. Because if I do, I'm blocked off. I'm cut off from myself. Yeah. So vulnerability for me, this, it's a perception of vulnerability. It's not really vulnerable. Hmm. Am I, am I, from my perspective, what am, what am I being vulnerable to? Mm-hmm. If I open up my inner self mm-hmm. to someone that I've trust, mm-hmm. I've established mm-hmm. trust with, sure, sure. What, what's, what, what's the risk? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've never understood the risk there. Well, it sounds like vulnerability comes very easy to you and you view it as an opportunity to connect and you want connection. Some people though really feel, um, afraid of rejection. 
they feel like if I were to allow myself to truly be seen and heard, and if I really opened myself up to you, then I might get okay, rejected. Okay, so that's a potential risk. Yes. Okay. But this is because they might have learned that in childhood. In childhood, they maybe were told, don't cry. You know, they were told not to feel their feelings and that feelings are bad. And so instead, they kind of have learned to stuff those down. And they might not even know how to identify a feeling. They might not even know how to say, you know what, I feel scared right now. Mm. Um, or I feel hurt. That hurt my feelings. Like that might, f- so instead, they go straight to anger. Because anger, you have like, you know, that feels powerful. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's a lot easier to go there than to say, gosh, I want to tell you how much that hurt my feelings. I want to tell you how scared I am. Um, Even though that's usually what's underneath anger is hurt and fear. But for you, I mean, that's awesome that you find it so easy to be vulnerable and you crave that and you welcome that. Not everybody does just because it feels really like, oh, I don't want to allow myself to be seen and heard. Like this is a thing that comes up a lot for me with my clients is they're very afraid of that. To them, vulnerability is almost like a dirty word. Almost every girl that I've ever been with has had that. Okay. And I know it's huge in men, but it's, I know it's also huge in women Oh, sure. As well. Absolutely. I, I, I don't, so I encourage people to just do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Mm-hmm. As long as trust has been established. Of course. Has, dim, has been demonstrated. Of course. As, as Brene Brown says, you know, not everybody has earned the privilege right. for us to just spill our guts to right. them because we certainly don't want to do that with someone who's going to hold it against us or right. use it against us because that's emotional abuse, mm-hmm. right? If, if this person has proven to you that when you share personal information, they use it against you, then don't share with them anymore. Right. But other people who have earned that, um, friends, family, people that you do trust, and you can start with small things and then, and then see how they handle that information. And if they, you know, if, if, if you feel safe with that and then continue to, to do that. But as Brene Brown says, we don't have intimacy without vulnerability. So if we're really wanting intimacy, then we have to be willing to, to be vulnerable. I like the word transparency more than vulnerability. Transparency is great. I love that word too. Because vulnerable makes it seem like, especially for men, like there's something weak. I'm going to be weak. Yes. No, be transparent. Yeah, agreed. So sometimes with men and women, as similar as we are, certain language works better for whatever reason. And so transparency is a great word. I love that word. I also like that word for building trust because it builds trust. So when we're transparent, right, when I'm not acting shady and I'm not hiding things from you and I'm not acting shady with my phone and all that stuff, I'm just transparent, then it's going to be a lot safer for you. It's going to be, it's going to feel like, oh, I got nothing to hide. This is who I am. And so transparency works in a lot of different ways. Like I say, even with technology, even with how we treat electronics, how we treat everything, right? Are we being transparent? parent are we being kind of like sketchy mm-hmm. and hiding certain things and when we are doing that we're we're we should hold a mirror in front of ourselves because we're doing that to ourselves absolutely absolutely because there's you know whenever there's deceit and there's lying well then we're obviously we're doing that to ourselves too and some there's some way we're rationalizing and that. creating discord within ourselves indeed and there's a part of ourselves we're not willing to look at yes it's very manipulative right yeah i get a lot of complaints from women that they find it difficult to initiate this space with men which space? The space of intimacy, of true intimacy, of unveiling oneself, of connecting, of exploring emotions. What are some of the, do you, do you experience a lot of that with women having a difficult time initiating that? Um, I definitely have a lot of women who have a hard time receiving that from men. Like they, they feel like men are not open to that. Right. That, that men are just closed yes. to that. Yes. And so, yeah, so they kind of don't even know how to like... Um, it, it almost seems like the women feel like it's, it's up to them if it's going to happen. Right. And then sometimes they try and then sometimes don't really get much back. So 
in just even trying to approach it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of women are just like, I don't even know how to approach every time I try to even talk about feelings, it's, they're brushed off. What are some insights that we could offer? Well, anytime we're space. communicating and we want to feel heard and we want to connect with another person, a lot of it has to do with the delivery. <laughs> so how do we communicate that, right? So Because it's really interesting because even underneath criticism, probably a lot of times there's a desire to connect, but it's just coming across as critical. So then, of course, if we're talking again with men and women, then he probably might feel criticized, which means he's going to get defensive and he's not going to connect from that space and he's not going to even probably want to hear or hear anything that's being said. So being able to present it as like, this is how I feel uh, versus you this, you that, you always, you never, right? Or also framing it in a positive way, which really people respond very well to positive reinforcement. So I really love it when you do that. I love it when you text me throughout the day. I love it when you show me affection. I love it when you sit and you listen to me talk and give me your quality time uh, that means a lot to me you know so just kind of reinforcing the positives for sure um, helps because we all like that Mm -hmm. and um, and again how we communicate it right like it hurt my feelings when this happened I would prefer if in the future you would do this versus um, it coming across as like an attack Um, which a lot that's that's a huge one a lot of men say that they always feel attacked sure sure do you do you find that for me it's the energetic space that we come from when mm-hmm. we're expressing. Of course. You know, like even like if you can visualize handing off a ball to the other person. Right. Is that ball red and hot? Wow. Does it have a lot, yeah. does it have a lot of spikes in it? Yeah. Or is it a soft calm ball? Because a lot of times the words are important going into like nonviolent yeah, communication. They are. But it's also like the energetic state. What type Ener- of ball am yes. I passing off? So energy, which, uh, you know, so 90% of communication is nonverbal. Yes. So this is where body language, you know, if I'm sitting here like this, right, uh, versus like, you know, open. Um, and so our body language is important. They say so even if you could like maybe touch your partner when you're communicating, right, mm. like put your hand on their leg or hold their hand as you're having this difficult conversation so that you're letting them know, look, I'm not a threat to you because we don't want to come across and and perceive each other as opponents or enemies right you want it like you're saying like kind of like um we're a team here yes and if you were my teammate how would i pass the ball to you (laughs) right and so viewing it as like okay it's it's us against the problem not us against each other Mm. and communicating to understand not communicating to be right because we're both right that's very important so everybody's right because feelings are not wrong So even being able to do that, and when we're talking men and women, right? So I think if men could be a little more welcoming of like, okay, I want to understand your feelings and to just be curious. Curious is huge. It's huge. So if we could just start with curiosity, right? Like I'm curious. I want to explore. I want to know how you feel. I want to know why you feel that way. I want to know how I might have, how I can make you feel better. I want to know. Like, so if we can just come at it even from that space of curiosity. Yes. You don't have to agree with the feeling in order to be curious about it. You don't have to agree with the feeling in order to validate it and to say, you know what, your feeling matters. Like your feelings matter. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Um, But oftentimes we end up getting caught up in arguing the feeling. And then she feels dismissed and it doesn't feel good. And you don't go anywhere. You don't really get anywhere from that space. And um, but if men could meet women's emotional needs in this way, it would be a complete game changer. I promise you. And then this goes back to that idea, too, of like, well, that would make that's what makes you 
harder to replace in a relationship. So if you can meet a woman's emotional needs, well, golly, I promise you, she's not going to find a lot of people that can do that very easily, okay? Um, can she find guys that'll give her attention? Yes. Can she find guys that'll buy her things? Yes. So don't use those things, right? That's not the goal. The goal is to connect with her on this emotional and spiritual level where all of a sudden that makes you very irreplaceable as a partner. And that also takes the man deeper into himself. Indeed. And so he gets to experience deeper connections. He gets to experience deeper, more meaningful relationships as well. And so he gets the benefit of it too, I promise you. And he will get more sex out of it, I promise you. Because it's the largest sex organ. And better sex. And better sex, exactly. Because it's now there's a connection there. So Mm -hmm. now it's not just sex, it's actual intimacy, right? Um, Largest sex organ in the body is the brain. And women are very emotional creatures. So when you can meet a woman's emotional needs, that's like foreplay for us. Okay. So it's really like more powerful than men realize. And what's interesting about that is I've had friends that were on the porn trip, like even some friends that went to LA and did porn Uh and they were all about the porn style sex. Right. And then once they started tapping into and doing inner work, their, their lives changed. They said, you know, I'm relating emotionally now and my sex life is a completely different world that exactly. I never knew existed. And the sex I had before is just like fast food compared to a five-star completely, meal. Completely, completely. And that's exactly what happens with porn. It's, there's a complete lack of intimacy there and yes. it's, it's all transactional. And sometimes that can start to create fantasy, like, well, I want to have like porn style sex. I want to have that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's very much... It's very dissatisfying <laughs> and, it, you know, left feeling men, very men, empty. Men, are you listening? Yeah. Are you listening? <laughs> You're listening. And, you know, this is the, the interesting thing is that, like, my clients with sexual addiction and with porn addiction, we actually call those intimacy disorders because, Ooh. yes. So what's underneath that, ironically, is they actually want intimacy. They crave intimacy even more so maybe than other people, but they're going about it the wrong way. So that's the interesting thing is they actually want that intimacy and they're robbing themselves of it through porn. Um, and yeah. And you know, these meaningless hookups. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's powerful stuff. It is powerful stuff. And it's really interesting as you get more and more into it. Um, and I just like, I love all of my clients that, that struggle with that because I'm able to see that part of them that just really wants that so bad. And we all do. And we all do. We all do. Right. And what are the ways that we rob ourselves of that? And just looking at what that is for each of us. Um, and instead of going for the fast food. How are you robbing yourself of intimacy? Absolutely. Right. And again, do you want nourishment or do you want fast food? Right. Right. Whether we're talking physical or emotional, you know, satisfaction and the quality of our lives, it's like, well, if I'm going for fast food, I'm not nourishing my body. If I'm going for fast relationships, I'm not nourishing my soul and my heart. And so, you know, are we going to do that or are we going to go for more (laughs) nourishment, right? Yeah. We live in in a world today where we're overfed and undernourished in every way. Absolutely. So, you know, in relationships as well as physically. And if I ask the question to everyone listening to this, would you, do you want more beauty, more pleasure, more connection, more fulfillment in your life? I mean, almost everyone's going to say yes. Of course. This is the path. Absolutely. Deeper intimacy. Absolutely. True intimacy, not false intimacy. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's what everybody wants. Yes, we all do. Mm -hmm. We all Mm do. Let's uh, switch topics. Sure. Even though I could go on for that for for hours. (laughs) Okay. What, What are the main differences between how women show up or how women experience relationships in um, lesbian relationships Mm -hmm. 
compared to male and female relationships? So the biggest, the biggest. Well, definitely in lesbian relationships, we have two women. Right. So we have two emotional creatures coming together. And so that definitely creates a lot of intensity and passion. And this is where you, why you see or you hear the stereotypes sometimes about women like doing things really quickly in, in lesbian relationships. Like there's the joke, the U-Haul joke that like they move in together right away or they, you know, because things can get so intense because, again, you have two emotional creatures that come together and it feels amazing. And then it can almost sometimes become enmeshed and codependent because of that, because it feels like all of a sudden, wow, this you know, there's so much, so many of my emotional needs are being met here that this feels amazing. And then it can almost sometimes get out of balance because there's so much of that. Mm. Um, so that's one of the things that makes it good. It can also make it challenging at times too, because then you also have these two emotional creatures <laughs> that, you know, um, sometimes there can be conflict around that as well. So um, when it comes to that, I think that there's definitely um, the emotional piece is can be much more powerful when you got two women coming together. What are some of the biggest things that the women should be mindful of when navigating that space? The, 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 the biggest things that they deal with that really send them off track? Um, just maintaining a healthy sense of autonomy in the relationship. Okay. Like not doing the codependent thing, right? Being able to be like, wow, as good as this feels to be in this relationship, I still don't want to lose myself in this. So what would be a marker of, of like knowing when we've slipped into codependency? When your mood is dependent on the other person, mm. when you're looking to the other person to be like, okay, are you in a good mood or a bad mood? Okay, then now I know if I should be in a good mood or a bad mood. Um, whereas it's like, okay, I'm sorry, you had a hard day. I'm sorry, you're in a bad mood. I had a great day. And I'll be supportive of the fact that you're in a bad mood, but I'm not going to take that on. I'm not going to own that, and I'm not going to feel responsible to fix it either, right? And then there's the other things too of like, well, who were you when you met each other? If you were, you know doing these things when you met this person did you give up all those things for the relationship or are you still doing those things and so when I say like autonomy being your own individual person it's like well you should not give up your goals and dreams you should not give up your workouts you should not give up spending time with your friends um, you, you want this relationship to enhance you and add to you but not become your whole world right that's not healthy whether we're talking you know gay or straight relationships but when if we're talking to women it can it can tend to happen more often just because the intensity is so strong and so many emotional needs are being met in the beginning that it could almost feel like oh, I don't need my friends anymore. I don't need these other things anymore. Cause now, you know, you're meeting all my needs. So, um, that's, you know, what's interesting that you're, you're talking about the, the intensity of that connection. Yeah. I think that's important for men to hear as well, because for sure. if you look at lesbian relationships, if, if that intensity comes because emotional needs are being met and we're connecting on emotional and deeper levels in the physical, that's where the, real rich, deep, intense um, aspect of relationship comes out. Right. We so should focus on that. Exactly. We should be mindful of that. Exactly. And so my, my straight... Not just buying things. No, exactly. Not just trying to no. bang her. Right. You know, that's no, not, that's no. not doing it. No. And so, like, I see this. So, so I see, like, my straight female clients that are very happy in their relationships, they will describe their male partners as their best friends. 
And then the ones who are unhappy in their relationships, my, my straight female clients that are unhappy in their relationships, I notice they rely a lot on their best friends, their female best friends, to get that need met, that emotional need, because they're not getting it, right, from their male partner. And so it's true. Like, this again, this is one of those things that that could be a total superpower. If a guy could learn to meet a woman's emotional needs, then it is almost equivalent to a lesbian relationship in that way, because now it's, there's all of these emotional things happening that feel amazing, and it creates creates emotional safety, it creates emotional connection, and so you have this emotional intimacy that is really powerful. And if you look at that, men, mm-hmm. men, if you look at that, not if you look at that and you try to take, because there's so many of these, uh, uh, how to approach women, how to get women's numbers, have you seen right. all these things? Sure, sure. These, I don't, it's so yeah. cheap and cheesy. Yeah. If, you, if you're if you trying to use these techniques to manipulate you're going to fail in the end. Oh, for sure. You're going to hurt yourself. It's going to, it's going to feel sleazy. It's going to feel, it's going to feel creepy and women pick up on that on some level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you use it and see that as a way to develop yourself, right. As to enrich your own life, your life will expand tremendously. Right. And it's not just like, as you say, it doesn't just benefit her, it benefits him because now he has a best friend too. Right. And you know what you could, you know, so even if the sex is amazing, right, what are you going to be doing the other hours of the day when you're not having sex? Like you need to be able to have this other foundation, these other levels where you connect on, on, you know, again, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, not just physically, um, not just sexually, right? Intimacy. There's so many different layers of intimacy. Yes. Yeah. So, and as you say, when those things are there, then the sex is even that much better. So that's interesting because a lot of people have this conversation quite a bit. Uh People think they're having amazing sex and they're not connecting. They don't have a real intimate space. It's just, we have this great sex and then I of course explore it and there's no emotional connection. Mm. There's no real intimacy. And I'm like, and you think you're having great sex. (laughs) I mean, it it might be from their experience to them, to them, but there's a whole other world that exists whole once that intimacy, once we open up ourselves. Yeah, because you'd be amazed then what happens when a woman feels safe, yes. when a woman feels oh. emotionally safe. You think she's giving you good sex? Just wait. <laughs> like, yeah. So that goes into a lot of women having problems having orgasms of through course. penetration. Absolutely. One of the biggest reasons, from my experience, is because they're not safe. They don't feel comfortable in their own bodies. Absolutely. There's some disconnect in the mind, yes. and it, it's a lot of times with the partner. Sure, so they're holding so, back. They're holding, and they don't know it. It's on that no, subconscious level. No, they may level. not know it, right, right. but they're holding they're back. holding back. And, um, and also, this is the other thing for men, I think, to, to um, acknowledge and to realize is that it shouldn't just be all about penetration either, right? <laughs> I, I, the whole, I did a whole podcast with... Did you really? With, yeah. Okay. With, so uh, we have a lot of instruments in the orchestra. Don't just use one. Yes. Like there's so many different things and ways to um, appreciate a woman's body and to connect with her and to enjoy her and for her to enjoy you. And so if we just go for that one thing, I promise you. So this is again, like it's like, well, you know, if, if you're just going straight for that, yeah, the odds of her enjoying it are probably a lot slimmer than if you really take your time to enjoy her and make her feel safe and use all the different things from touch to kissing to you know all the different body parts and kissing her everywhere not meditating just, together oh my god breathing gosh. Meditating together meditating together once you get to those yes. deeper spaces yes, you're in yes. the movies watching the movies and you're just fingertips touch right and you're experiencing right. the levels of and a lot of people think i'm woo woo when i say this yeah that your fingertips touch and you experience the level of pleasure that people experience in the bedroom. Because that's the energetic thing, right? Because now all of a sudden you guys are like, 
it's, it's like a, a vibrational match. Yes. And, um, so yeah, reading together, that's, I think reading together is a really great quality time thing to do mm. as a couple, like find a book, whether it's on relationships or sex or questions to ask each other, to get to know each other better, mm-hmm. to get to know each other's inner worlds. Like, so, you know, getting a book and reading together, um, there's so many different things that people can do. And again, that's like foreplay. I promise you, it really is. You know, I'm going to, Foreplay for me doesn't exist. Oh, interesting. It's all this deep, rich experience. And okay. a lot of times people put foreplay as like this thing I have to do in order to uh, get here. And I'm like, the, the aspects of, of the play and the connection yeah. in the beginning, mm-hmm. that's sometimes better than of course. the end. It's, Absolutely. You know, it's the whole thing. The whole thing is just one big, beautiful connection package. Absolutely. It's all an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Space. Okay. A lot of times people need space. And, mm-hmm. and this got triggered for me when you were talking about someone coming home with a bad, I don't know if, with someone having a bad experience emotionally, they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And the other person saying they don't want to take that mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. What, what are some good guidelines for people taking space? Because a lot of times when people feel they need to take space yeah. to recenter their, themselves because they don't want to take on the other person's junk, the other person feels rejected. Uh, mm-hmm. So what are some some ways to navigate that of taking space? Because sure. taking space can be healthy. It is healthy. So it, it's actually a necessity, right? Yes. Like we need, if you think about plants or, or any other living thing, cannot grow and thrive if there's no space. So relationships are like living things. So there needs to be space in order for them to th- to grow and thrive. They just do. And, and we as individuals need that, right? So um, whether it's like just acknowledging that, hey, you know, I need some alone time tonight and if it means like you know okay we're gonna you know sit and talk for a while and after that I'm gonna go take some alone time typically there's one person in the relationship that needs more space than the other Mm -hmm. and this can be problematic because the person that needs less space and wants more togetherness can take that personally and can even sometimes view that as like a rejection or abandonment and it's not meant to be that way but this is where kind of getting to know your your partner and what their needs are and learning to love them the way they need to be loved is really helpful and realizing like wow okay you grew up an only child and I grew up in a house of 10 people so I like all that noise and togetherness and that might not work for you you're going to need that alone time from time to time and knowing that when that person takes that alone time they actually come back better Yes. When they come back to the relationship, they come back better. Yes. And so it's actually a good thing for the relationship and it's a good thing for the other person when your partner takes that alone time, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to go meditate, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go for a walk, and to not view that as a threat. But again, if you love this person, you want them to be their best self. And um, taking that alone time does that for both of us. Even for the person who thinks they don't need as much alone time, (laughs) they really still do. Maybe they don't need as much as the other person or as some people, but they still need to take some. Otherwise, again, they lose themselves in that relationship, Mm -hmm. and that's never a good thing. So I think communicating about it, just talking about, okay, what's a good amount of alone time for us in this relationship? What's How much alone time do you need? How much alone time do I need? And also expressing when you're going to take space, like, I love you. There's nothing wrong with our connection or us. Absolutely. So it needs to be communicated so that it's not perceived as rejection or like, when are you coming back? You don't just take off and and not say when you're coming back, right? right? You say, okay, I'm going to go for a drive. I'm going to go for a walk and go for a run and I'll be back in an hour. And so you let this person know and there's nothing wrong. You know, I just need the space. Um, So you don't, you know, you definitely want to communicate that, not leave them in the dark because that doesn't feel good. I'm just so present with this, 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 this conversation. (laughs) It's an awesome conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So very present and just... 
The space, the other thing I would say about that is it's this idea of like an open system versus a closed system. So if we're just in this closed bubble, eventually we exhaust all our resources, right? But if we're in an open system where, you know, that person goes out into the world and they do their thing and they spend time with people and then they come back and so does the other person, then when you come back together, you have more to share. You get to talk about your day. You get to talk about what you did with your friends. You get to talk about what you did on your own and what you learned at that class you went to or whatever. And so you're actually bringing new things into the relationship versus if you're just together all the time, having the same experience all the time, or even if you're, let's say you're at a party and you're just together the whole night and don't even go out and mingle, right? Then you really have nothing to talk about at the end of the party because you had the same experience versus be like, yeah, I had this conversation with so-and-so and it was really great. And you also get to... Um, so research has shown that we actually find our partners more attractive when we get to see them in different contexts. Yes. So if you get to witness your partner across the room talking and laughing, you're going to actually find that more attractive than if they're just attached at your hip the whole night because then you don't get to see them in this other context, mm -hmm. right? And that might have been what attracted you to them in the first place. Right, right. But then sometimes we tend to lose that as we get closer and closer together, and then there's no space. And the problem is eventually probably one of the partners will start to feel suffocated yes. in a situation yes. like that. And then they're going to end up taking space in the wrong way. Yep. Yeah either by ending the relationship or finding it some other way mm -hmm. and then it won't be good. So better to just communicate about all of this up front. Um, there was a, a piece in there that I wanted to address. A lot of times people, there's this whole uh, thing about you need to, that, that love is not selfish and we need to love the other person through mm -hmm. whatever they're going through. But one key component that's missing mm -hmm. is the work that is required in romantic relationship mm -hmm. isn't just the work of being there for the other person or dealing with whatever they're dealing with, communicating with them, finding new ways to communicate. It's also doing our own internal work. Absolutely. When we get triggered, when we feel insecurities, when we, all of the junk that comes up, yeah. a lot of that, and I say this because you work with people mm -hmm. in a professional setting mm -hmm. dealing with this, it's important when those things come up to do our own internal work, to not ignore it. Right. To go in and seek out help if you need it. Absolutely. And do that internal work. That's a huge component of romantic relationship that's missing, the discussion of yeah. romantic relationship. So that's actually the greatest gift you can give your partner. Ooh. Is working on yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so, and some people have a hard time with that because as you said, they feel that's selfish maybe. But that's actually our own happiness and our own growth is the greatest gift we can give our, our partners, our family, our kids, everybody in our life will benefit when we're taking care of ourselves and we're at our best. And so it's really important to prioritize that. Not just do it, but actually prioritize. Prioritize, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'll take care of you. It's like I'll take care of me for you. Mm. And then you benefit when I take care of me. And then it's not a threat to the relationship. It's like, wow, that's awesome when you're out there taking care of you because then I know you have more to offer me. It's kind mm -hmm. of a selfish thing, actually. Like, I, I like it when my partner takes care of themselves because I know I'm going to benefit at the end of the day, right? Because that's not my job. It's not my job to make this person happy or to, to you know, help them grow or anything like that. That's, that's our own responsibility to do that. But to know that. So if that means it takes time away from my relationship, if I go to, um, I don't know, anything that that improves who I am, right? Whether it's a support group, people who are in recovery, if they're going to 12-step meetings, people who are, going to, who are going to school and they're going to class, people going to the gym. It, just know that even if that takes time away from your relationship and your partner, it actually benefits the relationship in the long term. So thinking, if we're thinking the end goal, and we're, the goal here is to have a long, healthy relationship, well then, 
better to do that, even if it means we miss out on an hour together tonight, you know? Because the ultimate goal is not just that, but also unveil and unfold into the highest versions Correct. of ourselves. Because during that time away, that person's growing, yeah. right? And so then again, they get to come back with, with more growth and a better person. So yeah, exactly. It's not just the time away that's, that's important. It's not just that space. It's what's happening in that space. And if growth is happening in that space, then that's really good, right? For both the individual and and the couple i have a question what's what's a good time frame or what's a good way to understand when it's okay you're in a good space to initiate a new relationship after an old one wow that's a good question because a lot of people want to jump to the <laughs> rebound relationship yeah. or a lot of times they're, they're yeah. not sure if the grieving process is over sure, sure and they bring that grieving process over into the new relationship i know which if it's a really conscious relationship, sometimes that can work. Uh-huh. But where, are there, can you think of any guidelines or anything that can help people to understand, like, I might be ready to start seeing people sure. again? I think we need to check our motives, right? And so just to be aware, like, okay, if I am going to start dating, why am I dating? Am I dating because I want a distraction from the way I feel? Mm. Am I dating because I'm trying to replace my ex Mm. already? Um, Am I dating because I don't want to feel my feelings? And am I dating because I want attention? Or am I dating because I am a complete being and I'm in a healthy space and I'm ready to share who I am with another person and I have something to offer them? Um, and I think that, you know, I can do that now. Right. And that when I'm with this new person, I won't be thinking about my ex. I won't be comparing them to my ex. I won't be wishing they were my ex. If those things are happening, then you're still not fully ready. I don't think so it is right now. It's so easy because we live in this disposable society, right? Where Mm. it's like, we just go from one to the next to the next. And it's like, wow. So are you just trying to replace that person or replace the way they made you feel? Right. Do you really you know, what is that? And, and I think it's important to honor the last relationship and to grieve it yes. and to, to feel those feelings yes. around it, right? Yeah. And to maybe, instead of going out and dating, work on improving who you are. Spend time with friends. Spend some time alone. Date yourself is what I tell a lot of my clients. Like, do things with yourself. Take yourself to a movie. Take yourself to your favorite restaurant. Like, you know, do things with yourself. Get to know yourself. And also reflect on that last relationship. What did I learn from it? Um, How can I be a better partner the next time? And if you haven't done any of that yet, then I would say you're not ready. I would say there needs to, all of that has to have happened. That's sound advice. Yeah, and that could be different for everybody. Some people might be able to accomplish that in a month. Some people might take a year. Um, I think also having this kind of conscious um, celibacy is helpful too, where sometimes people go through a period of, uh, choosing to be celibate for a period of time and just work on themselves, work on their relationship with their, their, you know, their work on their spirituality, work on their themselves in different ways. Um, and have that because everything is a relationship, right? Um, we are always in relationship with ourselves. And so that needs to be our primary relationship. And so really taking the time to work on that in between the other relationships is important. So this might be very interesting for our our people watching and listening. I spent seven years celibate. Good for you. I I saw that the relationships that I was engaged in were not serving the deeper levels of what I was craving. All right. They were very superficial. I felt that there was more and I was determined to find it. Yeah. And so I I set myself on a path that I would not get into another relationship until I found a soul moving, Uh deep, really authentic, conscious, romantic relationship. And it took me seven years 
but I, I was celibate for those seven years. Good for you. Working and on myself during, during that yes. whole period. Yes. Intense self-work. Right. So there's a big difference between being abstinent and being celibate, in my opinion. Tell me about that. So abstinent would be like, okay, I'm just not having sex and not dating because nobody's available or nobody I want to date is available. That's abstinent, in my opinion. Um, and not doing any work on myself. Maybe just going out drinking, distracting, and all of that. Going through life, going through the motions. Um, celibacy is everything you just described, where it's like... It's a conscious choice. So I'm bringing mindfulness and awareness to what I'm doing. So I'm choosing. It's a choice to not be, even if the opportunities are there, and even if good opportunities right. are there, still choosing not to, right? Because I'm working on my relationship with myself. And that growth would be happening during that time, right? Again, not just like isolating at home, doing no gr growth, just playing video games and, and, and drinking, but like really, you know, going out and saying, okay, I'm going to choose that instead of, you know, like spending my time on the hunt for a new partner, I'm going to go to Buddhist centers and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to go to bookstores and I'm going to roam bookstores and I'm going to work on myself so that when the next person comes along I have more to offer and you might even find that you attract a different kind of person you will absolutely <laughs> yes yeah you know, you know what's interesting is a lot of I used to find it difficult to find really quality relationships and as soon as I did all that internal work mm -hmm. simple easy mm -hmm. easy process absolutely from that point on because again it goes back to the energy right so now you're attracting from that energetic place and the conscious space sure what am i looking for in the other person am i trying right. to get something from the other person or am i trying to authentically right. understand absolutely the other person just to start there sure. let, let me authentically just understand this person okay. yeah even friendships you'll even attract oh, yes. you know more quality friendships yep. even business relationships yep. everything will be different um our relationships are our mirrors right so yes. they're reflecting ourselves back to us yes. so hence why we want to invest in improving ourselves because if we want better relationships, that's where we start. That's where we start. Yeah. Because of that mirror, mm -hmm. because we can go through our entire lives with self-sabotaging belief right. systems and habits, but when we're in, and not look at them until life smacks us and makes us right. look at them. But when we're in a romantic relationship, it encourages us because it throws off the connection on some level. It does. Hey, hey, this is here. It encourages us to, oh, yeah. let's look at that. Yeah. It forces us, in fact, because... If you really want that Yeah, it really does, you know, because um, like if we're our intimate relationships definitely are going to reflect all ourselves back to us. Absolutely. Even, you know, anytime you put anything under, under a magnifying glass, you see the flaws, you see more. And so the closer you get in a relationship, right? Yes. So our coworkers, they're a little farther out, right? And our friends, they're a little farther out. But once you start to get into this intimate relationship with another person, well, you can't really hide. Eventually at some point, all the stuff's going to come out and they're going to see us at our best and at our worst. And it's also an opportunity for growth. Again, the same way we can be wounded in relationships we can be healed in relationships if you're willing to kind of address those things as they come up right with each other if there was a relationship course that everyone needed to take yeah which we should because <laughs> the relationship courses that we're taking is from tv and the kardashians and all this other yeah, yeah. garbage i'm gonna say right um what if you could contribute one module what would it be that people should know about romantic relationships or learn? It would be the piece on meeting emotional needs. And this doesn't just go for men meeting women's emotional needs. This goes for women meeting men's emotional needs mm -hmm. as well and realizing that men also have feelings and that their feelings matter. So that would, if I just had one thing to teach everybody, uh, it would be that, that the power of meeting somebody's emotional needs is a complete game changer. And where does that start? Listening. Not talking, listening. And that includes in the mind. In the mind, listening with your whole heart, 
and soul. And listening non-defensively, listening with curiosity, really, really wanting to understand this other person, really, really wanting to know their inner world and not feeling threatened by that, but really wanting to go all the way there with them. Um, and so that's what I would say. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I think that's a good point to leave this. All right. Nice. If anyone wants to find you, yeah. where can they look you up? Uh, they can search Mary Archibek on Psychology Today, and they'll find my bio, and um, they can call me at that number, and I'd be happy to talk with them. It was a pleasure having yeah. you. This is a great conversation. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. You just got done listening to The Relationship Coach Podcast. I hope that you found it interesting, entertaining, and helpful. And speaking of help, if you'd like some help finding and navigating the highest romantic relationship on your path, head on over to therelationshipcoach.com. That's one word, therelationshipcoach.com.